This episode of The Bittersweet Life is brought to you by Stackery. Stackery is the global leader in international parcel forwarding from the U.S. With Stackery.com, you can shop at any U.S. retailer and ship anywhere at prices up to 80% less than directly from the store. Stackery also provides free storage, same-day consolidation of your packages, and a tax-free U.S. address. As a Bittersweet Life listener, save 10% off your first shipment by using the coupon MANJA. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello. This is The Bittersweet Life. Tiffany's rubbing her eyes because she's waiting for her tea, but then they didn't have any. No, they had something. No, chocolate. Hot chocolate. I'm getting hot chocolate because they didn't have tea. Who are you? I'm Tiffany Parks. (laughs) This is the podcast for expats, former expats, future expats, and travel lovers, and adventurers, and explorers, and people who have stepped off the beaten path and are trying something new, or want to try something new, or are questioning whether or not they can actually handle doing something new. (laughs) Basically, it's for everybody. It's for everyone. And it's a show about life. Uh, and we are sitting in a cafe in Rome. I don't remember what the name of this piazza is. Piazza dei Ponziani. Which means? Uh, well, Ponziani was a family. They had their family palace in this area, probably in a square. Because we're sitting in a cafe, we're having a little afternoon refreshment. It's not probably late enough for an aperitivo, right? This, I'm sorry, but this is so good. <laughs> I haven't had hot chocolate in so long. Yes, it's a bit too early for an aperitivo. It's only four. Right. So what time would that usually start? Six, no earlier than six here. Six to eight. Yours is five to seven, I think, in the States. It's, I think, six to eight here. But we're not talking about that. We're going to talk about a slightly more universal topic, something that's maybe a little heady. I'm not sure. Maybe it's not heady. I think I'd like to think that this is just another thing that's just an aspect of life, which is chance encounters that you have with people that maybe you never know their name. Maybe you do know their name and you know them for a period of time. And maybe your encounter really wasn't that impressive or important but for whatever reason you remember these people later on and of course it can happen when you're traveling and of course it can happen when you're just moving around your city do you have an example in mind or do you want me to tell you an example i would like to hear your example first since this was your idea i have a couple well do you want to hear one that is like a funny one or do you want to hear one that's more moody more moody i don't even know if it's moody but yeah, I want to hear the more, mm, the, the less funny one. Okay. It's not really that big of a story, but this is what I mean about how minor an encounter can be. So I have this memory of being in my 20s, and I really want to go out, but I think that my long-term relationship at the time, my college relationship, was starting to head on the way out. It was getting pretty obvious that we weren't going to be together much longer. And for whatever reason, I wanted to just, I just wanted to get out of the house. And it was late at night, and I was living in kind of a small neighborhood in Seattle, one that's kind of a sleepy bedroom community. And so the only place that is open is this kind of crappy sports bar. And it's quite a ways from my house, but I decided I'm going to walk there because I just want to get out. And I really just want to get out and do some writing and some reading and be alone, but be in an atmosphere with other people around, not just be sitting in my house. Long story short, I get there. I'm sitting at the bar. I'm writing. I'm reading a book. I'm sort of just going back and forth between that. And a guy walks up to me, perfectly good-looking guy, nice guy, walks up to me and says, Hi there. And I'm like, 
You know, you have that thing where you're like, I just want to write my book. I just want to read my book. But, you know, sometimes when you're reading a book or you're writing, people don't think you're doing anything. Oh, well, she's just reading a book, obviously. She's just waiting for me to come over. <laughs> Entitled male attitude. I don't know. I think, I think it might be just, I don't know. Maybe you just assume that if somebody's reading, maybe they're just not really reading. They're just overhearing what you're saying. Or if you're writing, do you have this experience if you're writing out? And I know you don't write out very much, but if you're writing out, people always say, well, what are you writing? I think you write the first time. I hardly ever write out, so that hardly ever happens to me. Right. Okay, so anyway, so he just comes over, and this is why it's such a little encounter. He just says, can I sit here next to me? And I said, nope. <laughs> I really came out to be alone. And I think... Maybe I remember it because in my 20s, I probably would have been a little bit more solicitous. I would have been like, sure, do what you want. Or, you know, probably not been like, absolutely not. You could not hang out with me. Sorry, how old were you? I don't know, 22, 23, 4, maybe? 23, probably. And so for me to just say flat out, nope, was a pretty big moment for me. Good job. For whatever reason, it's a chance encounter. Maybe it's not even a chance encounter. It's an encounter, a totally forgettable encounter, by the way. But for whatever reason, I remember it. Well, that just makes me think of Beth Ann Fenley's book, the one that we talked about in our Glamour episode, when she's like, I don't know why I remembered this. I don't know why I forgot it and then remembered it after. But I think that sometimes those things, for totally random reasons, I mean, maybe there's some kind of reason underlying, but for totally random reasons we don't remember. Now that you were telling me that, I do remember something almost identical to that. It was my 24th birthday, and I had had an argument with my ex-boyfriend, my boyfriend at the time, who was supposed to take me to the beach that day. I have an August birthday, and I, I love going to the beach on my birthday, unless I'm in Italy, and then I hate going to the beach in August. <laughs> um, but I was in Boston, and he had promised to take me to the beach on my birthday, and then he bailed on me. And so I was like, I'm going to the beach by myself. And I packed up all my stuff, and I took the train to, like, Manchester by the sea, I think. And I was sitting on the beach, and you know how the beaches are up in New England. Like, they're empty. <laughs> they're just, like, miles and miles of beach, of sand. And I laid out my towel, and I was just, you know, and a guy came up to me. And he was, it was the same sort of thing. Like, he was kind of a good-looking guy. And he was like, oh, you know, can I sit with you, or do you want to be alone? And I said... I want to be alone. <laughs> and he's like, okay, bye. <laughs> and I remember that too for the same same reason that I'm the, also the type of person who is often like, especially when I was younger, would be like, okay, sure, when I don't really want to. But in that time I was like, nope, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, so you really didn't want to. No, I didn't. I didn't. I remember in that moment, downright right angry, <laughs> not angry, but I was just like, oh God, does it have to be every single time? Yeah. Oh, it's so awful being so gorgeous and attractive. Well, no, I mean, it's not that. I don't even think it matters. Single girl in a bar. <laughs> Back then. This was before everybody had great access to the internet and didn't approach people in bars anymore. It was back when you sort of had to approach people. There was no Tinder back then. Yeah, no Tinder, no hookups. So a funnier one. This one I love. And I actually, I, this guy, I actually um, ended up seeing him multiple times after this event, just hung out with him. But I don't remember his last name anymore. And very shortly after I met him, he moved away. And so, you know, it's one of those people that I remember the first name. I don't remember the last name. I don't think I would necessarily recognize him if I were to encounter him on Facebook accidentally. And so I figure I'll never see him again. But it's such a great story because, again, this one happens in a bar. I'm sitting with my friend Melissa. This is back before they outlawed smoking in bars. And we're in this bar that has kind of a lot of 
regular living room furniture in it. Easy chairs, couches, stuff like that. Her and I are sitting side by side on a little love seat, chatting. And there's an open lazy boy across from us, our easy chair. And this guy comes up to us and he says, hey, I'm looking for a place to read a book. Do you guys mind if I sit across from you? Sure, no problem. We're probably there for a couple hours. And we're talking and he's just sitting there reading his book. We've completely forgotten that he's even there. And then as the night goes on, people in the bar are probably getting a little drunker. This girl at one point stumbles up to my friend Melissa who's sitting there smoking a cigarette. And she says, I'm sorry, can I have a drag of your cigarette? And Melissa goes, uh, no, um, <laughs> gross. <laughs> I will give you a cigarette if you'd like, but you cannot have a drag of my cigarette. And the girl's like, oh, you will? Oh, that's wonderful. And she takes a cigarette and she kind of stumbles off. And we were like, what the heck, you know, good grief. And then we go back to talking. And this is what makes this guy so brilliant. He waited exactly the amount to let us go back into talking. Five minutes later, he looks up and he says, excuse me, I'm sorry. Can I have a drag of your cigarette? <laughs> and we t- sort of laughed. And then he goes, and do you mind if I sit on your lap while I do it? <laughs> it was such a great comment. And of course, that made us all laugh out loud. And then he joined our conversation. We ended up talking for the next couple hours, all, all of us together. And then he was one of those people that whenever I was there, you know, I would look for him and see if he was there. And, and did you ever see him again? Yeah, I saw him again. It was, a, it was like a little tiny neighborhood place. So once I knew that he was there, I would look for him. Or sometimes if I was bored, I would walk in and look for him. And if he wasn't there, I would leave and go home. So we did end up sitting there and hanging out at least three or four more times before he moved away. And did you ever let him sit in your lap? No. I was never attracted to him. He was just like a, one of those kind of fun, really easy to talk to people who had a hilarious sense of humor. I'm sure I didn't do him justice. I'm sure his delivery was way better. But... I can think of a person who I met one time and I kind of never forgot just because he was such a character. I have this friend from college who I'm still, you know, I still have very, very random contact with, but a composer. He was from California, but he had, for some reason, he spent some time in Seattle one summer during summer break. And he's a bit older than me. He was like, I think he was 26, and which seemed so. So sophisticated. No, it just seemed old. It just seemed, he seemed like an old guy. But anyway, he was, he kind of looked older than he was. But the point is, he was like, oh, I'm in Seattle. We should, um, we should grab a coffee. And so we met up for a cup of coffee or something at a bar. I don't even remember what neighborhood of Seattle it was. And I don't know why I went to his, I mean, there was nothing at all, even remotely romantic between us. I mean, like not even a whisper of it, but he was a friend and someone I I really liked. And so it was normal that I would go back to his apartment. It was in the middle of the day as well. But I went to his apartment and his roommate was there. And this guy, I'm trying to remember exactly what he looks like, but I want to kind of say like a John Malkovich type. Definitely had like the super high balding forehead and kind of that strangely not super good looking, but somehow fascinating face, long nose, tall. The apartment was like, I've never seen so many books in one place that was not a library or a bookshop or a place that at least had bookshelves. Like there were, there seemed to be no bookshelves in the entire apartment, but there were just books stacked everywhere along the walls, just books and just unbelievable amounts of books. And it was also a mess. It was also a huge mess. And I felt like when I walked into this apartment, my romantic, you know, opera studying self felt like this place reminds me of the first act of La Boheme. 
when you know it's a garret apartment and there's like a, a philosopher a painter a musician and a poet all living together and you know, like it's a total disaster and they're just like so cultured and bohemian anyway i remember this guy a little bit i don't remember that much but i do remember that at one point you were talking and he said um i'm trying to learn french i want to learn french oh that's cool and he's like yeah you know, I was like, how are you, you know, you're taking a class, are you re- you're using a book? And he's like, yeah, I'm using this. He pulls out this gigantic, dusty, hardback book, like, boom, such a heavy book. And it sits it on the table, and it's Proust. <laughs> and it's Proust in French. Oh, my God, you were in love at this point, right? Well, I was very, very in love with my boyfriend at the time. So, no, but I was fascinated. I was like, well, how can you possibly learn French this way. It's like a hard book to read translated into your own language. I think it was Remembrance of Things Past or, you know, something like that. And he's like, oh, I have a dictionary. And he pulls out this dictionary. And Katie, it was a French-French dictionary. What the hell is that supposed to mean? That means, you know, when you need to, like, look up a word in your own language, you have an English-English dictionary, and it's like unexpected and it says something that you did not expect or you know something like that it's a french french dictionary so it had french words oh i see what you mean the translation there was no english it was just a french explanation of the french word i think you could have just said a french dictionary okay maybe but anyway my point is he just had this french dictionary and he had this french proust and he was like trying to learn french this way and i so what what, what, if we were betting right now do you think he knows french no (laughs) but i have some insider how much do you think how many dates do you think he got from this? I don't know, probably a lot. <laughs> but in Seattle, maybe not that much, because I feel like people aren't that impressed with that kind of thing in Seattle. I don't know, maybe that's just me. I think in Boston, he would have gotten a lot of dates. I do have some inside information, because I remember my friend Danny, who is the guy that I went there with, he was like, oh, this guy, he starts projects, and he never finishes them. He takes these enormous projects on, and he never finishes. That's pretty enormous. It's kind of overly ambitious. Like, you could... I mean, you'd have to be kind of a genius to be able to learn a language without any kind of context in your own language, (laughs) unless you're a baby. And even babies don't learn their language by reading Proust. (laughs) Too bad. It's too late to experiment with that with Aurelio. Well, hey, I could always just try to teach him French. I could get him a little... Yeah, sure. You could just start reading him Proust in French. Well, I got to tell you, I did... One time he wanted to watch a video, and I was like, oh, video, okay, fine. And I have Netflix now, and I put on... You know how Netflix, you can choose a language. And so I put on Le Petit Prince. Well, actually, that is French. So it's like the, petit, the Le Petit Prince, the Little Prince cartoon in French. And I put it on in French. And he was watching it. I think visually it was interesting to him. But at a certain point, I was like, honey, do you understand this? And he's like, see. Si. <laughs> Which is what he says to everything, even if it's not, you know. He probably didn't understand a word. But I could do that, like, as an experiment. Just put on a French cartoon and see if he learns French that way. Why not? At least it makes you feel like you're doing something worthwhile with your parenting, right? Yeah, and not just sticking in front of the TV. So do you think that you have any of these sort of mini memories or chance encounters with women? Um, I'm sure I do. There are some women that I wouldn't say they were that brief, as that's the stories that you told and the one that I told. The ones I'm thinking of are a little bit longer, but there are people that I still think, two people particularly, three actually, but they're longer because what? Because I knew them for longer. Not a long time, but I knew them for longer than one afternoon. So give me an example. I went to a yoga retreat, a yoga teacher training, actually, in the Bahamas. Remember I told you guys that I lived on the beach in the Bahamas? That was the time. And I met a lot of people, obviously, who were doing that training. And one of them was an Israeli girl. We just kind of clicked. It was a very busy 
time. We studied a lot. We worked really hard. So there wasn't a lot of free time to just sit around chatting. But we did chat a little bit. And I remember one night we went out onto the rocks right outside the ashram on the beach. And the sun was setting. And it was there were just gorgeous sunsets from that place over the sea, over the ocean. I guess it was the sea. She said, you know, it's amazing that the sun sets every single night. And yet people still, they can't get enough of it. They just love it so much. And I'll never forget that. And she just, there was something about her. She was so just inspiring and so positive And so she just saw the beauty in life and she's just sweet. And she was just someone that I would have loved to have had as a friend. But she just came into my life and you know, in a month she was out and I never saw her again. Hi, Katie Bussing in here to take a moment to thank the Beehive Hostel for their support of the Bittersweet Life podcast. The Beehive is Rome's homiest and most chill hostel since 1999. It's a sanctuary in the midst of the bustling city of Rome. And if you're planning a trip there, be sure to meet Steve and Linda when you go. Seek out the Beehive Hostel. It's social, it's eco-conscious, it's comfortable. Trust me, I've been staying there, and you should too. Back to the show. Oh, so interesting. That reminds me of a kind of a different, a totally different topic than what we're talking about. But it's sort of those singular, magical encounters. The one that, I, that popped to mind when you were telling me that story is actually with a person that I knew for many, many, many years in high school together. I don't think it's a person you know, because we weren't, she wasn't somebody who crossed into the theater world. She was a person I knew very well for a long period of time. And her and I had a very conflicted relationship with each other. We started out as friends. She started dating a guy who was my best friend at the time. She got super jealous of the fact that we were best friends. So you, so him and I decided, okay, we just won't hang out, hang out as much because she'll be gone sooner or later, and then we'll hang out more. You know, but we don't want to. We didn't want to offend her, and you know, she was taking offense to our friendship. Because All of that. Who she was dating just assumed that she wouldn't be around forever, <laughs> or maybe I did. Maybe yeah, I mean that's a much longer story. But so that's like the cliff notes to say that we had a conflicted relationship. I didn't resent her, but I wasn't happy with the fact that my best friend and I were never best friends again because of her. But I do think that sometimes you have this amazing encounter with a person in one evening that is what keeps you going with that person. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So her and my conflicts were to come from when this story happens, okay? So at the point when this story happens, we're all in a friend group. And I don't think she and my best friend at the time were dating yet. We're at a camp. It's an overnight camp. You're all supposed to stay in your cabins, the girls in their cabins, the boys in their cabins. But her and I, for whatever reason, wander out. So it's dark, it's the middle of the night, and we walk down to where these speedboats are parked on whatever, they're, whatever the thing that it's called where you put a boat so you can drag it behind a car. Uh, okay. Yeah, they're on the wheels, ready to go, but they're parked on the land still. And we get into one of those boats, and we're laying on the seats, and we're looking up at the stars. She starts telling me all of the stories behind the constellations. Cassiopeia is the one I remember the most from that night. She's showing me how to identify ones that I've never seen before. And for me, it was eye-opening. And still, when I look up at the stars, I see the ones she pointed out. 
And then, if it wasn't already an eye-opening magical experience, there were horses nearby, and somehow the stable gate got busted open, and the horses got out. And so all of a sudden, all of these horses come running in. (laughs) It's the middle of the night. And so we have all these running horses that come running up this path, running toward us and running past us and around us. And then they all stop and sort of graze around our boat, our boat on land. And so in all of the conflict that her and I were to have to come, I always referred back to that night in my head as the way to see her. I think that that's why we never came to a head, any kind of real explosion, because I always said, well, I can forgive her for that because of the night of the horses. I wonder how many relationships, whether they're romantic relationships or friendships, like stay together because there was one amazing moment like that. Maybe. I Probably with a long-term relationship, it would take more than one amazing moment. Yeah, true. But I mean, I think that those amazing moments have the potential to help you see a person in a very rich way when they're being jerks or, or neglectful or whatever. I don't know. But that maybe like you shouldn't take a moment that could be a total one-off and weigh that so heavily against a repeated pattern, like a negative pattern that you don't like in a person. True. I mean, I don't think I'm a total doormat. But at the same point, like a night like that, it's special. I mean, that's a special person underneath it all. Mm-hmm. You know, or like that was a special moment to share. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other examples? Well, I mean, the only other examples I have that are, they're not chance encounters, but they're like little tiny mini memories. And they're often with somewhat famous people that I've met through the radio. <laughs> you don't want to be a name dropper, but um, it's funny what you Barack remember. Barack Obama. <laughs> it's funny what you remember about people like Barack Obama. Fine. Barack Obama and I talked about a lot of different things. And this was before he was the president, by the way. And he was a senator. But we talked about a lot of different things. But one of the things I remember the most about him, besides the fact that he was extremely curious about my job, because he was curious about everybody, was uh, him asking if I could get him some tea before the interview. And I said, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. And I went upstairs to get him tea. No idea what kind of tea he would want. Never asked him. So I'm sitting there looking at the tea, and I'm like, well... This three in the afternoon, probably doesn't want to have caffeine. So I got him a chamomile tea. <laughs> Make him sleepy. I know. And so I came down and I said it in front of him and he said, did you want me to sleep through the interview? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's I'm so like, cute. I don't know. Oh, I miss him. Yeah. So I have like a lot of little tiny things like that. The comedian Margaret Cho was the only yeah. person I ever okay. encountered for an interview that was wearing her pajamas and she still had her hair in two braids the two braids she put in the night before falling out and she's wearing her pajama bottoms and a tank top and some slippers our show was on live at nine in the morning but of course comedians they work late and i just remember her coming around the corner she looks like she's just come out of bed she could be holding a teddy bear in her hand you know and she just says you guys get up this early like every day you know (laughs) of course she was brilliant on the actual show so those are kind of little tiny chance encounters i got a lot jodie foster she was thrilled to find out that it wasn't television she didn't need her makeup person and then she was like i gotta say i wish i had gone into radio i love my voice and then she put on her headphones and she just goes hello hello good morning thanks for joining us you know she was doing that kind of stuff I love Jodie Foster. I've loved her since I was a little girl. 
I'm sure we all have lots of these stories. Can you think of one more to end us out? Okay, this is really odd. This is bizarre, but for some reason it has stuck with me. And I don't want to sound too self-aware, if that's a word. <laughs> it's <No>. a word. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to sound too self-aware? No. Self-aware is a positive thing. I don't want, what's the negative aspect of that? Self-centered? Congratulations. Self-congratulatory? No, here's what I have to say. Self-centered. This, this moment in my life, this little snapshot, I feel like I lived it through the eyes of the other person, like watching me. Ooh, yeah. No, it's, but it sounds really self-centered. Aggrandizing. Yeah, in some way. Like, I think I'm this, like, fascinating person or something. Which you are. Mm, thank you. I, I don't know about that. But it was the summer before I moved to Italy, and I was staying with my mom, I had just gone through a big breakup and I was kind of tender <laughs> and my mom had these new neighbors who were living next door and I hadn't met them, but I knew that the husband and the wife and there was like a son and a daughter and that the kids were maybe around my age, if not a little bit younger, but you know, more or less around the same. I was in the garden and I was spending a lot of time in the garden that summer. My mom had this amazing Dahlia garden and she had these gorgeous enormous dahlias that sort of slowly started taking over her garden because she became obsessed with them and pretty soon they were just everywhere and that entire summer I spent in like the same sundress practically I had like two or three sundresses like I didn't go anywhere I never left the house like <laughs> barely I would never put shoes on I was always outside in the garden barefoot my hair was always all tangled because I'd been in the lake, you know, and I hadn't, you know, and I was kind of being like a little bit of a flower child that summer, although I'm not a flower child <laughs> at any, in any possible way, those of you who know me. And I was in the garden and I was picking dahlias. Boy, this is like the beginning of a poem. Well, I know. Well, that's why I say I kind of have worked this moment. I mean, the guy probably thought nothing of it and like just forgot about it the next day. But I sort of remembered it, but remembered it as if I were him. If that's a weird. That's really no, no, no. I love this. Go ahead. So I had like You're picking flowers. I'm in this like little sundress. I have no shoes on and my hair is like lake. Long blonde hair blowing in the wind. It's just tossled. It's lake tossled, if that's a word. And I don't think it is. <laughs> It's a hybrid of two words. <laughs> Wind tossled, <laughs> lake tossled. And I have my arms full of these dahlias. And a car pulls up and saw me. But I'm like in the middle of like all these wild, huge dahlia plants. When they get big, dahlia plants can be taller than me. And he stopped there and he said something. And I, and I walked over and I literally had been crying because I told you I had just been through this breakup. I wasn't sobbing. But you know, I was like, my, there were tears in my eyes. God, can you be any more adorable? <laughs> You're like a lost rabbit. <laughs> a bunny. I'm sorry. Not even a rabbit. A bunny. The unfortunate thing is that I made a huge gaffe, which totally ruined the whole thing. Because, like, you know, we could be married with kids by now. No, I'm just kidding. Like, I am married with a kid, and I'm very happily so. But anyway, this guy you know, said, said something from the car, and I walked over to him. And it was the weirdest thing where I was like, I was able to recognize that he was incredibly good looking, but I wasn't able to... I wasn't able to calculate his age. I don't know. That sounds really weird. He was just this ageless person to me. And maybe that was because I had these tears in my eyes and I couldn't see very well. And I was out of it. I was in a dream world that whole summer. I was just totally out of it. And he was like, hi, you know, I should know you. He was like, oh, are you Patty's daughter? Maybe he says this. I don't know. He says something. And I'm like, yeah, yes. All you're hearing is, mm. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I was just very out of it. And I was like, oh, do you live next door? And he's like, oh, yeah. 
And I said, oh, I, I think I met your wife. <laughs> I thought he was his father. I think he was really offended. <laughs> That's why I said I couldn't calculate his age. I couldn't tell if he was a, like a 20-something kid or a 50-year-old man. I, I know that sounds impossible. But that's just the state of mind I was in. Then I made this gaffe and I said, I think I met your wife. And he said, you mean my mother? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that would be it. <laughs> yeah, that would be it. And I never saw him again in my life. Oh. So, so if this was a movie, though, what would have happened? Well, we would have met again. We never did. And would you have been still the wild kid in the Dahlias? <laughs> or would you have been wearing a business suit and working on Wall Street? I would like have been firing him. <laughs> I would have been hired to fire his ass. And he would have been like, wait a minute, Dahlia's teardrops. <laughs> I've had you in my dreams ever since my 20s. <laughs> who knows, Katie, who knows? Oh, I love that. I have a story very much like that, but we should probably leave it there. Yeah. yeah. So until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Thanks to Stackery for supporting this program. Stackery is the global leader in international parcel forwarding from the United States. With Stackery, even though you live abroad, you can shop at your favorite U.S. retailers at prices up to 80% less than directly from the store. Stackery also provides free storage, same-day consolidation of your package, and a tax-free U.S. mailing address. As a Bittersweet Life listener, you can save 10% off your first shipment. Just visit stackery.com and use the coupon code MANJA. That's M-A-N-G-I-A. Thanks for all the ways you support us. Give us a good rating on iTunes, maybe five stars if you like the show. It will help other people discover that we exist. Thank you. You're the best.